Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message, The Condemning Question of Why, is the seventh message in the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. Hey, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. Let's look together in the Gospel of Luke. We've been kind of going through Jesus' ministry there the last few weeks. We're going to look in uh, chapter 5, a couple of verses there, move into chapter 6, and, uh, and just look at uh, a handful of verses there. We're actually doing some skipping a little bit today. So we're going to start. This is chapter 5, verse 33 and verse 34, okay? It says, They said to him, being Jesus, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, those of the Pharisees, but yours, they just eat and drink. And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Well, we're going to move to chapter 6. We're looking at verse 1 and 2. It said, So now it, ha- now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields, and the disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And we're going to move down to verse 5 and verse 9. And he said to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. That's verse 5. Looking down now to verse 9. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, One thing, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Let's have prayer together. Lord, I ask your blessings today. May you just allow your spirit to be able to to be with us. May we just sense your presence. May you just have the freedom to work in our lives, in our hearts, our minds. And Lord, may your will be accomplished for each one of us. So I just pray that each person here can just be able to, to be blessed. And may you just work and provide for each one of us. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen. Little boy is getting his report card. It wasn't as good as he had hoped. So he thought he had to do something. So he went up in the attic and he found his dad's old report card. He brought it down to him. He said, Dad, here's your old report card. I happened to find it and here's mine. He said, they're not much different. His dad looked at it. He said, yeah, you got a point. He said, I probably should do to you what my dad did to me then. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't work like we we plan when we try to test the wrong person. (laughs) I think it is important that we're able to enjoy life. And one of the things that's going on here in chapter 5 is the question about joy. The Pharisees, when it came to fasting, do you know they fasted twice a week? Specific days, Mondays, Thursdays. And when they fasted, it wasn't a joyous occasion. It was very somber. Perhaps what's taking place here in chapter 5 is one of those days of fasting. And so they look at the Jesus' disciples and they just say, this isn't right. You guys should be somber, and what are you doing? You're having fun. Somebody one time was at church, and they said they saw a lady with a young child, and 
the child was smiling at everybody. And that's always a thrill, isn't it, when children are smiling at you. They said that she patted the child on the rear and said, sit down here. You're not supposed to be smiling in church. Unfortunately, that's how many people feel about church and about being a Christian. Jesus' response is interesting because Jesus said, when you're with the bridegroom, you see, whenever they had a wedding, when the wedding was over, they didn't immediately just go on the honeymoon. They stayed around and celebrated for a week. And it was a big celebration. It was a time of joy. And so Jesus is basically saying, I'm here. I'm with these guys. So why would they want to fast when I'm here? When I'm with them, it's a time of celebration and joy. Let me tell you something. When you're in the Lord's presence, even today, it's a time of joy. Oh, it, I don't think there's anything wrong with smiling and being happy in church, especially when you sense the Lord's presence and He's there. I tell you, it's a joy when you're walking in the Lord's will. And when the disciples were with Jesus, they were doing His will. The Bible tells us in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. Remember the nine traits of Christ. Nine traits that every Christian should have if they're living for Christ. Love, you know what the second one is? Joy. If you're living for Christ, there should be joy in doing His will and walking with the Lord. Joy. Paul wrote to the Philippians. He's writing while he's in prison. He's writing, it's not an easy time for them or him. And he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just during the good times. We've always got reason to be able to rejoice with God. Because there's nothing impossible with God. God's at work in every single situation. And He brings good from that situation. He says, I tell you, rejoice. And again, I say to you, rejoice. It is important that we honor God and that we're full of joy. And if you're doing God's will, if you're serving God, you're being used by God, you're an instrument in His hand, there's joy in being able to honor God. And if you're serving God and you're missing that joy, then there's something wrong. There's joy in honoring God and being able to serve and do things on His behalf. There's joy, and what they were celebrating, we saw that last week, was the tax collector had become a Christian. He had become a disciple, thrown a party to be able to celebrate. And there is celebration we see in Luke chapter 15. There's celebration in heaven whenever anybody has given their life to Jesus Christ. There's celebration. And you know, when you're a part of leading somebody to Christ, you've been praying. I wish, Lord, give this person an opportunity. Help them to understand. Take away the barriers. And when you hear that somebody you've been praying for has become a Christian, oh, that's joyful. When it's somebody in your family that you're close to, it just brings you joy. It's somebody that maybe you personally have talked to or you've sent somebody to. Ah, joy. Of knowing eternity has been changed. It brings joy. You know, just waking up every day is a gift from God. Lita Kay come in today quoting 
Psalm 118.24. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in, in it. You know what? This, this day right here, is a, we've got a choice to make. It's a day in which God has given you the opportunity to honor Him. We could be in the grave, but we're not. And we have the opportunity this day. God has created it. He's given it to us to be able to represent Him, to honor Him, and to be able to rejoice and to be glad in it. Joy. That's something that was missing within the Pharisees' lives. And so part of the question here, when they look at the disciples, why are they so happy? They shouldn't be that happy. They shouldn't be this joyful. And I say that a person that's walking with the Lord has greater reason to have joy than anyone else. And so, why so much joy? Because Jesus brings joy. He is joy. That gets us back to their question. They said, everybody else fast. How come you and your disciples aren't fasting? Jesus goes and tells them there's going to be a time for that. Jesus is not opposed to fasting. In fact, whenever he started his ministry, he fasted. Matthew chapter 4, Luke 4, he had fasted for 40 days, remember? And then Satan came with his temptation. Jesus wasn't opposed to fasting. He practiced fasting. And if you're searching for what God's will is for you, it may be something that you want to be able to do. Many people, when they're looking for direction and guidance, they'll take time to be able to, to have a fast, to be able to pray. It could be that there's something big that's ahead. Trouble or tragedy, whenever war or there was a threat to the nation, people would call for a fast. The king would call for a fast. People to fast and pray. When Jonah went to Nineveh, he said, guess what? Judgment's coming here. The people tore their clothes and they, the king called for a fast for people to pray. Queen Esther she called for people. She's going to make a decision to go before the king. Make a request on behalf of her people. But she called for her people to stop, to fast. So there's many opportunities for us to be able to fast. There's plenty of illustrations throughout the Bible. And so there's times when it's going to be needed. And Jesus said, yeah, when I'm gone, there'll be time where people... The disciples will need to fast. Fasting goes with prayer. Very much so. Not only with prayer, but goes with God's Word. Now, somebody may ask, what, what that basically is a fast? Well, they had in Jesus' day what they called a normal fast. Normal fast is where you would do without food for a certain period of time. But you would still drink, you would still have your juices. That's a normal fast. There's what they would call an absolute fast. And that's where you do without food and drink. Now that wouldn't be for a long time. It would be a shorter time. Because your body would require some nourishment. Then uh, there's a partial fast. Where maybe you would do without a certain type of food. Uh, Maybe it's sweets, maybe it's desserts, and you would be a partial fast. Maybe it's just a meal. And then there's special fasts where instead of food, you would substitute something else, 
Some people, because of their health, they cannot fast. And so I know a fellow that uh, years ago, their family just started practicing. One time a year, they would do a fast from television. Today, it would more, probably be more like social media. You just take a time to fast. And instead of looking at those things, during that time you would pray and you would seek after God. And the hunger and so forth, or, or the, when you're doing away with that, it would just give you an opportunity to concentrate and to focus more upon God and not be distracted. Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, so in Matthew chapter 6, when He was referring to fasting, He said, you don't want to be like the Pharisees. You know what they did when they fasted? It had to do with pride. And so they would fast twice a week, Monday, Thursday, specific days, and then they would dress up. They would try to be able to look like they were thin. They wanted other people to look at them and say, boy, aren't they so spiritual? They're just fasting today and they're talking with God. Of course, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, He pointed out whenever they gave, they made sure that people watched them and saw they were giving. Whenever they prayed, they made sure that there was a crowd and people could hear them praying. And so basically what they were doing had to do with pride. It had to do, I want other people to think I'm so good. I'm so spiritual. And I'm going to tell you something. If that's how you give, that's how you pray, and that's how you fast, that's not real fasting. That's not real giving and serving to God. When we give, when we fast, we want to and pray, we want, we're seeking after God. His direction, His guidance, His help. And so fasting is not designed for a time of prayer. That's why Jesus went on and He t began to tell a parable. I didn't read about this parable, but Jesus talking about the old wineskins. And He said, you know, you don't pour new wine into old wineskins because what's going to happen when it begins to ferment? It's going to explode and tear it up. He said, so what happens is you put new wine and new wineskins, and he said, but a lot of people don't want the new. They want the old, and they won't, they won't even try the new. And Jesus basically says, and they're missing out. There's a lot of people today that won't try anything new. They won't change. And Jesus is looking at the Pharisees, and he's basically saying to them, you need to change. The way you're doing things is not right. And it could be if we've adopted the ideals of the Pharisees, that we think that we're above everybody else or that we want to be seen, that we need to change. And we need to be willing to, to change. That brings us then to the next question, the next challenge they gave to Jesus. Jesus and His disciples are going through, a, they're walking and traveling to go through a, by a grain field. And, and it was legal by the law that you could just, if you was going by a field, you could actually get over and, and, and pick up some grain. Now, you couldn't harvest the whole crop. You couldn't say, hey, I'm going to get some for later on. But if you were hungry, you could go and you could grab something at that moment. And the disciples did that. Just what happens, it was a Sabbath day. Guess what? They're watching Jesus. How would you like that? To have somebody that was assigned to you that's constantly watching what you do. You know, some people think maybe with our smartphone and televisions and technology that they may be more people watching you than you realize, keeping up with you. And they may be people that 
that hear what you have to say, and they're watching, waiting for you to mess up. They're watching Jesus closely because they want to get Him. And so they've got somebody specifically designed to, their job is just to watch Him. They come back and they say, guess what He's been doing? They've been picking grain on the Sabbath. What the Pharisees did, they made laws to go on top of other laws that basically just said, whenever it came to Sabbath, you can only walk so many steps. You can only do so many things. They had all these laws just laid out so people wouldn't break the Sabbath. And so when they look at Jesus, they said, how come you are breaking the Sabbath? You're supposed to be such a great rabbi and teacher, a miracle worker, but why are you dishonoring God and not keeping the Sabbath? Good question. And Jesus gives a good answer. This same scenario takes place in the Gospel of Mark in Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus makes this statement. He says, The Sabbath was made for man, not, not man for the Sabbath. So when God was creating order and everything, God didn't say, Hey, I'm going to make this Sabbath day and everything's going to revolve around it. He said, No, I made man. And I said, You know what? Man... They need some help, and I'm going to help them, and he made Sabbath. This word Sabbath means rest. On the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. And he said, you know, people just need some direction. There are some people that can't discipline themselves. I'm going to help them. And so I'm going to give them a day so they can rest. Everybody sometime needs some rest. You hear people all the time about burning out. Burning out. Everybody needs a time of rest. And that's what this is, a Sabbath day. It's a time of rest. God wanted us to have a day where we sat back and said, okay, we're not working this day. We're going to rest. It was not only for rest, but there's a second thing. It was for worship. It was a time for us to stop and to focus upon God. You see, you get so busy and it's just easy to be distracted and you forget God. There's so many things going on in your life. There's so many struggles. There's so many pressures, so many bills. Your family, it all catches up. You begin to forget about God. And so here's a day set aside just so that you can focus upon God. To quiet your, your spirit. To rest. And to be able to rely upon God. So... The Sabbath was made to help, not to hurt, not to harm. So here's what Jesus does. As soon as they say something to him, Jesus tells them a story. He said, you remember in the Old Testament, King David, he's running from Saul because although he's been anointed king, he's not the king yet. And Saul's jealous and is chasing him, wanting to kill him. So David's on the run. He goes to the temple. He tells the priest, he said, we are hungry. We have nothing. Me, my men, is there anything? He said, all we got is the showbread. It's only for priests. But he asked David, he said, you, you and your men clean? You're not unclean, are you? And he said, no. He gives them the bread. Why did he give them the bread? Jesus said, because it was a need. They needed it. They were hungry and they needed it. Jesus said, guess what? That same principle is here. The disciples, they're with me, and they're hungry, and here's a need, and then we've met that need. 
the Sabbath, it was made not to hurt you, but to help you. That's what Jesus' reply is. Then Jesus says something else. And we see it recorded here, and we read that verse in verse 5 of chapter 6. Verse 5, notice he said, he said, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees thought that they were like the police. They thought that we've made all these laws and we're going to police them, make sure people follow them. You know, sometimes there's people even today that feel like that they just kind of, I don't know who made them, the police, but they're the authorities. And so they'll come up to you and they'll say, you know, you weren't here at Sunday school. What's wrong with you? And they'll try to shame you and put guilt upon you. You weren't here on Wednesday. And they'll point out all the things, the places that you weren't. They'll point out the bad things about you. And they just come down hard upon you. And here's what Jesus, He stuns them. He says, you know what? The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is God. You know what He's saying? I was there at creation. And I'm, I'm, Sabbath was my ideal. And so I'm the authority over Sabbath. I'm the one that set it up. And now you're coming around and being able to try to trap me. See, they're trapping the wrong person. Jesus said, no, you don't understand about what Sabbath is all about. Well, then we move on down in chapter 6, and Jesus shows up at the synagogue, and it's just interesting. They think they're going to set Jesus up. So they put a fellow in there that's got a withered hand. I don't know if it's an older fella and if it was... People just had felt sorry for him. But they set him up front where it was just basically everybody would notice him. And Jesus comes in. And everybody's just wondering, what's Jesus going to do? It's the Sabbath. And Jesus asked a question. Is it proper to do good or evil on the Sabbath? What do you think? What would you say? Good or evil? Should you give life or take life? What if it was a decision that had to be made right then? What would you do? Well, Jesus basically, instead of answering the question, looks over at the fella and says, be healed. His hand is it's like it's supposed to be. It was a miracle that had taken place. What's he saying? It's always a good idea to do good. Even on the Sabbath, do good. Give life even on the Sabbath. Speaking of life, that just reminds me, because people will ask, you know, the Sabbath is actually Saturday, seventh day. We worship on Sunday. Why do we worship on Sunday? We made Sunday our day of rest. We made Sunday our day of worship. Why would we change that? Sunday, first day of the week. It's not the seventh day, it's the first day of the week. Sunday. You know why we worship on Sunday? Sunday is the day of resurrection. It's the day that Jesus changed everything. He died on a Friday on the cross. He shed His blood. 
But on Sunday, Sunday was the day that proved that Jesus wasn't just any ordinary man, that that death on the cross just wasn't like a death of, of everybody else, that His shed blood actually had the power to forgive sin, to pay the price and the penalty the resurrection, and that's why we worship on Sunday. The resurrection is the day in which Pentecost took place, which the Holy Spirit began to work, and people were baptized, and people were indwelt by the very Spirit of God. Sunday is the day in which the church was birthed. And so the early church celebrated, rejoiced, and they met on Sunday. Guess what? It's still a day in which we need to rest. You've got to have a day to be able to rest. You need a day to focus upon God, upon Christ. There's people today, do you love me, Lord? Let me tell you something. The Lord loves you. He loves you. Jesus died for you. That's love. And we need to hear that over and over again. There's people today that just needs to hear, I'm loved. There's people today that need to have some hope. Jesus conquered death, and there is hope. You can live again. This life is not all that there is. There is an eternity. Yes, choices matter. And when you choose to, do, to follow the Lord, He's going to honor you. There's rewards waiting for Christians. There's a better place. And what we do down up here upon earth, God could take us any time, but He's left us here so we can serve and honor Him now. There is purpose in life, and we need to be able to hear that regularly, over and over again, just being reminded of those truths. Wouldn't it be awful to be like the Pharisees and to be so religious to be so puffed up, to think that you, I'm it. And then you go through life and you realize I'm not it. There's things that I can't handle. And you go through life not joyful, not helpful, condemning others, putting others down, and you're just miserable. That's no way to live. Jesus has come so you can have life. You can have joy, joy unspeakable, full of glory. You can have purpose. It's what we call abundant life. It's truly living, and you can have it. In fact, that's how God wants you and I to be able to live. This morning, maybe that's, you say, that's not me. And it could be you don't have a relationship with Christ. That's where it starts. It starts with knowing Jesus Christ. It starts with being forgiven. Maybe you are a Christian, but somehow or another you've got away. You know what David prayed? Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I've sinned. That joy's gone. Can I, I need to be close to you. Can you bring that joy back? Maybe that's what you're praying today. Lord, give me the joy. I've just got stressed out. There's so much going on in my life. I'm just stressed. Help me, Lord. Maybe you just need to come. Just pray. Just say, Lord, help me. 
Let's take a moment. Let's have prayer together. Lord, thank you so much for each one that's here. Lord, I know everybody's here in a different situation. There's some that are just tired, that are weary, that need strength. Lord, there's some that are just searching and looking, needing answers. Lord, there's some that are frightened and scared. They need courage, need assurance and peace. Lord, I just thank you that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the giver of life, the very one that we need for courage and help, the one that can forgive and change us, the one that can introduce us to you to give us the hope of heaven. Lord, I just ask that today that each person can know him in a real way. I pray your blessings upon each one. Bless this time in Jesus' name.